Hello and welcome to the Comedians Outlook podcast. I'm Luke Anthony and for this amazing episode I am joined by Chris Norton Walker. He is very much a personality in the comedy world. He's very well highly regarded by us comedians and he is being described as nearly famous. He's got a new show called Unexpected Item in the Gagan area which he's taking around the country. Um, it's an awesome episode and it's this, this episode is particularly interesting because we get into the depths and the engineering of, of how jokes are constructed and everything and as a one-liner comedian he, he obviously has that rhythm and that that pace and and those those beats that that um a lot of storytelling comedians may lack and i just you know someone who tells stories myself i found this very interesting to to get into the depths of of something that i, I don't particularly write myself so yeah absolutely amazing episode i really hope you enjoy it but without further ado i bring you chris norton walker Welcome to the show, Chris. Hi. Just to kick this off, how did you first start in comedy? What what, what was your beginnings uh, like? So I've always enjoyed watching comedy uh, on TV, kind of growing up. And um, first did a gig when I was at university in Leicester, and um, it went surprisingly well. Uh, it was one of those ones where you don't really know what to expect when you first go on, um, but it's certainly a case that that went went really well and kind of got the bug from that and it's quite a few years ago now is it yeah yeah it was it's kind of like seven years ago wow um so at that point i kind of went on not really know what to expect not really know what kind of style i wanted to do um there were other people that were on as well because it was it was um it's like an open micy sort of thing um but it went really well and i really enjoyed that leicester scene and kind of the people that are up there and i think if it hadn't gone that well i would have gone hey we've given it a go that's that's cool let's do something else but because it went so well you kind of catch the bug and you always want to keep uh like keep catching up to how yeah. well that one went and kind of like the feeling that you get of just euphoria of kind of how that one went so how how much longer after that did you Die in your ass. <laughs> well, a question. Second one in. Uh, yeah, usually I wait a little But we've seen you die recently, Chris. That is awful. No, uh, so <laughs> I, th- I think dying um, in that way comes in different forms. So I think sometimes when you when it doesn't quite work properly, or when they don't laugh as much because it's a, a, a bad gig, nobody's really paying attention, that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't remember like my first kind of death, death. But I think those change throughout how long you've been going for. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bit awkward and people go, oh, I really died. And then you go into another gig where nobody laughs and they hate you. Um, and you're booed on and booed off. Uh, so, <laughs> and those, like, those ones are deaths. But I like, it doesn't happen very often. Sometimes kind of people are a bit disinterested or, or, or a bit distracted. But I think in terms of deaths, like it doesn't, um, touching wood, uh, it doesn't happen that often. I don't remember when the first one was I think um, maybe three or four in, I went okay. to go and do like an awkward gig that nobody really did that well in. Um, <laughs> uh, so that kind of felt like a death at the time because those other ones before that had just gone so well and you just get such a feeling of adrenaline yeah. and, and you're just so pleased and happy about how everything goes. Um, and then after that one, you're like, oh, uh, uh, meh, 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 meh. But you weren't, but you weren't in, in gigs like that if, Everyone's died on the ass that day, or it's just not been a good gig. At least you're not the only one that has died. 
And everyone True. else has gone. I mean, that's worse. Yeah, but I think when you first start out, you don't have that self-awareness. Going, no. How has everybody else done? Nobody else has done that well. It must just be the, the kind of range of the gig. Um, I think I think when you've been going like three or four gigs and you have one where nobody laughs, nobody's that interested or kind of that connected, you kind of go, oh, I'm rubbish at comedy now. I hate comedy. Why yeah. am I doing this? Um, and then you remember back to your first gig and you're just like, Let's try and find the good things that happen there, and just kind of filter out stuff. Yeah, I think I think that one of the things I noticed was that, um, on reflection, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. So I thought if, if if this is as bad as it gets, then it's not that bad. So I may as well just carry on doing it, and eventually it will it will hit home. You know? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a bit like a breakup, maybe, where kind of sometimes you just go, this isn't working out. Okay, that's fine. You know? kind of hurts a little bit and then there are ones that just kind of absolutely crush you and just like oh god yeah. I don't want to even leave the house sometimes and, and then you have that with gigs as well you know there are gigs that are so kind of crushingly bad or you feel so bad afterwards you could have done different things that you're just like I, I need to just kind of refocus and re-establish yeah. what I'm doing yeah one of the things um, well you, you are the first one-liner comedian I've had on the podcast actually or am I or are you no I, I am yeah, you yeah. are definitely yeah yeah um, and interestingly, like a lot, of, a lot of comedians start out as one-liner comedians. Is that gonna, true? Um, well, some do. Okay, I believe. Um, I know. <laughs> all right, I got one example. For you. Um, Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> and it's you, Chris. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> no, Dave. Dave Green. Oh, I know. Started, Dave out, Green. started as a, a one-liner comedian, sure. I believe. Um, I think. I think one-liners uh, and short jokes are a good training ground. Yeah, because construction. You mean. Yeah, yeah. So for construction, but also um, in the editing process and being able to get to laughs really quickly. Right. So I think certainly when you start out, not everybody, but certainly when you start out, you just go, I have some stories that I've been telling down the pub. I've, I've got some stories that I've been telling friends about. Let's see if I can take those on stage. And usually you can to some degree, but it's a case of A, establishing who you are and just refining down kind of where where the laughs are and kind yeah. of w- where the connective tissue is. And I think a lot of people will just, especially when they start out, just go on and ramble and ramble and ramble and ramble and hope for the best and go, oh, that story was rubbish. I'm I'm, I'm going to ditch that story. Whereas actually, if you condensed it down to four lines rather than 40 lines... And yeah, well. that, that is a common thing. Actually, Jason said himself as well, like, like yourself, he said, he, he said that, you know, do you need all that waffle in between? Yeah. Can you get to that point quicker? And it's better if you do that because then you've actually got more material in mm-hmm. in a shorter space of time. I mean, sometimes as a one-liner, you do have to pad slightly and add more connective tissue just to establish like rapport and establish character and just establish with an audience to kind of questions and things like that. Hey, do you do these things? Do you have kids? That sort of thing. Just just as a way to bring them back into what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. And I think I think you're particularly good at that. I mean, I've been at many of your gigs now, and 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 you definitely do a lot of like sort of audience participation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. sort of try and get them on side. Mm-hmm. And if you lose the room, maybe with one punchline they didn't like, you've got, you know, you, you've got that you've got that audience audience participation. You can bring back in and then get them back on board of what you're trying to do. Um, I think you're particularly good at that. Thank you. Uh, well, well, that's the nice thing about kind of one-liners in a way that either uh, you have to have them that are so strong. 
Um, it doesn't matter if they miss one. Because sometimes they will. Like, even with any story, even with any kind of um, um, anecdote that you're telling, there will be times when the audience will switch off for whatever reason. Now, if they yeah. switch off for uh, for one-liners, that's fine. But it, it may be kind of like a technical failure. They didn't kind of talk properly. You didn't put a certain word into those jokes. So sometimes they will drop off. Um, but if you can't... I'm, I think it comes with experience as well, just kind of doing enough emceeing where you're talking to an audience, you're reconnecting with them, you're doing a bit of material, you're reconnecting if it doesn't yeah. go. Um, there are a lot of one-liners that, that start out um, and that continue through who don't have a lot of personality in what they're saying. They don't right. have a lot of character with, with within their one-liners. Um, and uh, in, in that case, your material's got to be kind of razor sharp every time. Whereas okay. if you've got a bit of personality you can put in, then you've sort of got the best of both worlds. You've sort of got a way of just connecting everything together. Yeah. I think that brings us on to a quite a good topic because um, you certainly do have a... A character on where it's basically just you on stage, but you're you, you know, you're, you're a you're a colourful person, and you've got you've got you've got a real personality. Let's talk a Thank bit you. about like your your your, your persona and, sure. and what you want to show on stage. Uh, so I'm I'm not necessarily this person, you know. When, when I put the suit on, um, I do become a different person. Like people expect me to. Um, perform and behave in certain ways and certainly not always this person off stage uh, the issue comes when you are a character when you put a suit on and a black shirt and then you find yourself at a funeral and you're like i should stop <laughs> i just should stop performing in this way um uh i think with me there is parts of my persona that have been elevated um, and their parts have kind of been kind of sunken away a bit, um, and it, it's definitely you're definitely reacting as a performer. You're reacting to what the audience kind of want and kind of the people around you, and that's what sort of society in which you you live. And I think um, I, as a performer, as a character on stage, have have been moulded by audiences and kind of moulded by uh, the sort of gigs I've been to and yeah. the sort of material that I do. So I wasn't always this person, just kind of moulded like Play-Doh into this person that people kind of know. Is, and is that does, does that come from um, like self-awareness again? Where, you know, after a bit of experience, you're, you're more self-aware of your of how you are presented on stage, how you've been seen on stage, or is that from comment you get from people? Or? I think I think it's learnt behaviour. So so in that way, it's, it's kind of both. So sometimes you're just like, if I behave in this way, I get a good reaction. If I don't behave in this way, right. I don't get as much of a reaction. Um, but it's also kind of thinking about, like, what people see as a one-liner comedian um, and kind of what they want. And because I'm just like a... I, I, I myself, am just kind of like a big... Um, like a big scary man in a way, uh, they expect a certain thing from me. So yeah. sometimes you can play it up for being like a bit more aggressive, but sometimes you have to tone it down because mm. you may be overly aggressive. So you have to be a bit kind of playful with it. So you just kind of learn in that way through response yeah. um, what sort of person you are and kind of a mixture of those two things. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I, I mean I've I've never really written one-liners myself you should it's good it's good fun I, I, there may be a couple just to ease the 
mm-hmm. audience into sure. what I'm talking about yeah. to, to gain their gain their respect. But it depends what you mean by one liner. So yeah. so I think one liners. Um, uh, sometimes you have an idea of one liners as being something in the Jimmy Carr kind of role. Uh, as being kind of dark and maybe um, very kind of up to the minute in terms of the news and kind of things like that. Whereas they have a whole range in yeah, terms of yeah. uh, you know like puns and wordplay. Some can be quite clever as well. Some can, can be clean. Some can be dirty. So just like I think I think one line is just short jokes essentially. Yeah. Um, and it just depends how how short that joke is. You know, you know, essentially, yeah, e- yeah. E- each one-liner is is a sentence with two commas in it, maybe with a topper at the end. How do you find like filling up a lot of time? Because I <laughs> I would find like you know having a thousand pun- uh, one-liners to get yep. my hour would be very difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's an incredibly difficult thing to do because you have to um, be. Uh, be aware that not all of them are going to work. So if I write 100 within a week, that will then be filtered down to about 30 by the time I go on stage and try them uh, at like an open mic night. And then from that 30, I will only get maybe 10 that kind of work in that environment and then maybe another, like, uh, and then that will be filtered down to maybe five. So so actually out of that, you've not got that many... um, the kind of work and, and, and that's sort of the issue with one line is that you may be treading on things that other people have talked about or or because there's a finite in a way amount of resources and kind of idioms and phrases yeah. that you can take from um there may be other people kind of doing the same sort of things or the same kind of setups as you're doing but a different punch and things like that um so it is difficult to just refine down yeah what you want to do and kind of how you want to do it which is why if you can add a bit of uh, like personality and kind of character into it then um it's often a bit easier yeah yeah because because uh, in contrast to that with like telling a story you know you, people talk about the same topics regularly yeah but they come at it from a slightly different angle. Sure. And that's, that's you know, there's, it's very difficult to actually tread on someone's feet when you're when you're a storytelling comedian because you yeah because you, you you're always going to be unique because your personality is different in that sense or the way you tell the story is going to be different anyway. And, and you kind of hope that each of the stories that you tell kind of personally on, on stage are ones that you have experienced or kind of things that you've seen. Um, so everybody is going to have a different take on these things because those are kind of personal things that you have. Whereas one-liners are basically uh, showing off wordplay yeah. and that you can engineer things in a certain way and kind of hide things away a little bit. So it's, 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 more, um, it's more technical skill to it. And yeah. There's nothing wrong with kind of doing these stories about yourself. Um, yeah. It's just for me when I sometimes watch um, comedians telling stories, they will take 12, 15, <laughs> 20 seconds to get to a joke. And I'm just like, come on, I really need it. Come on, where is it? I really want to hear a joke. Come on. Um, so for me, I can't really watch storytellers that often because okay. they don't have that kind of hit rate that I like. Okay. And that, and, and that comes from, that's almost like an intellectual thing almost, that you just enjoy the, you enjoy the construction and the yeah, engineering yeah, yeah, of, for sure. of jokes. Yeah. Like, like if you go and talk to any one-liner, um, when they watch other one-liner comedians, they won't be watching out for like the content that they're doing, yeah. really. They'll be kind of going, how are you putting things together? In okay. what sort of way? What's the engineering behind it? Yeah. How have you got from point A to point B without us noticing? 
You know, I see. Anyway. I see. You're just like ninjas. <laughs> well, yes, I, w- I would like to think of myself as a ninja, although although the most obvious ninja you would ever see, because not only am I loud, but also I'm, I'm quite big as well. You, you wear you wear dark, <laughs> you do wear dark clothing though, so you're halfway there. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is your technique to try and remember all of those one-liners? Uh, so I do something that's very much like the memory palace technique. I can, I can okay. certainly kind of send you um, something to put on social media about it. So what I do is I make, um, I collect jokes in kind of sections of four, and then from that point find a visual element of each of the jokes and then draw that visual element out and then combine it into one drawing. Okay. Um, so if I can have that drawing in my head, then I can be taking those four jokes apart out loud okay. and then putting another drawing in. And then from that point, once you have one drawing and you do it for all of your jokes, I see. you can then have a big selection of drawings that you can have that people don't quite know what they are and kind of understand. But that's all in your head? Or... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so you, you have these vivid images of these, these drawings. Yes. That... Wow. So it's a bit like memory palace technique. Do you know yeah. what memory palace technique is? I've heard of it. Th- yeah, so I think for the amount of information that we have to get through yeah. as one-liner comedians, you have to have a certain technique to do yeah. it. I think if you are a storyteller and you have four stories and they each take seven minutes to tell, you can put literally four words on your hand or kind of four words somewhere that you can just remember. Um, whereas because we're getting through so much information, so kind of technical information yeah, as well, yeah. you, you have to have a way of doing it. Um, so the Memory Palace technique, especially for longer shows, is when you... Um, so you can do this if you want as well. Um, if you imagine your bedroom at home... yeah. So just do it now for me. Okay, yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, so if you imagine your bedroom and you want to, say you want to memorise um, a shopping list and you want to memorise, um, let's say, some breakfast items. Yeah. So in your bedroom, if you put on your bed um, some baked beans on your sheets, uh-huh. uh, some eggs in the pillowcase, mm-hmm. some sausages in a sock drawer perhaps, uh, yeah. some bacon in, in the washing pile, kind of in amongst the clothes. Regularly do that. <laughs> Good. Uh, some mushrooms in the wardrobe, let's yeah. say, um, and uh, some hash browns in your shoes. When you get into the supermarket, as long as you've repeated that pattern and repeated that pattern, once you get into the supermarket, you can visualise in your disgusting bedroom those things that you need because they are so out of place in there, yeah. in, in, in a room that you know very well, that you, that you th- will hopefully remember them. I see. I so, see. so maybe at the end of this podcast, I'll kind of come back to you and just kind of see <laughs> if you can remember where all those things are. I'll try it. Yeah, that's no good. Worries. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I'm, I know I just want to fry up. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just listed my breakfast items. Okay, so that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's really that's really interesting. And um, so it, uh, I'll, I'll put links on the on the episode um, description for people mm-hmm. to to look at that. Any yeah, comedian listens to it. So. And, and 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 is that particularly good for um, storytellers as well? Um, I don't that? know. I don't do don't stories. Um, no. uh, I can't tell stories. Um, like it's, it's <laughs> weird. Like I've I've tried, and people have kind of said. Oh, of course you have stories, Chris. Just find some stories you can tell. But anytime anybody says, um, tell me a story, I, I just kind of blank up. I have yeah. no idea. I think I can maybe write some down, but I never find that my stories are really that interesting. I'm, I'm, more, <laughs> I'm more kind of interested in... Um, uh, like what's going on in the room and kind of now or or kind of putting things together in in, in, in kind of a way um, where they are just short short jokes and kind of enjoy that sort of thing. But at the minute for my longer show, 
I'm trying to piece bits together that sort of flow together because sometimes, okay. especially in a longer format, you need things to slightly flow together. Otherwise, there's so much bouncing back and forth of information and trying to, uh, like, like as an audience, trying to picture what's going on with each six-second joke that everybody just ex- um, exhausted if you don't have a break doing I see. that. I see, because almost in some ways when you're building a set full of one-liners, you are kind of bringing them on a story in a sense. Is one big arc. You, you can sort of take them on a story with one-liners. You can, yes. Yeah, you don't tell stories in like the traditional sense, mm-hmm. but you, you do take them on a journey. And, and do you have a place to go with it towards the end of the show? So for my show, no, my show is essentially uh, just a load of one-liners um, with, with, with now some very funny pictures that I've uh, discovered. You need, for every one-liner comedian, especially doing like a longer show, you need things to break it up with. So there are people that sit down and do some fake news stories there are people uh, that bring like an overhead projector on. There are people uh, with pictures that they'll project. Um, there are people with songs and kind of props and things. But you yeah. need just something so that it's not bam, 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 bam. Like even now, it's a ridiculous kind of length of time to do it for. But but that is kind of what you're doing over um like a 15 to 20 minute period if you don't have interaction if you don't have just something else just to disconnect them enough Mm. um or you connect them in such a way that there's a bit of a logical flow to them that they can kind of see where you're going okay and and kind of progression then you will lose them but certainly i do have things that tie my show together there are callbacks um there are running jokes that i have throughout the hour but there's no kind of overall arching theme there's no kind of things that you'll kind of learn about yourself and about society (laughs) and about life in general no (laughs) there's no real message other than (laughs) there can be a message and the message is usually (laughs) is usually please put mine money in the bucket at the end uh, yeah. so there's not really yeah. like a message now. It does. It does tell a bloody good bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Just me standing at the door, refusing to let them out. Yeah. 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 You can. You don't have to pay to get in, but you bloody <laughs> have to pay to get out and try and get past Chris. <laughs> so even if you have paid, you will be paying again. Uh. <laughs> right. So, how many shows have you taken to Edinburgh then? Uh, so I actually haven't taken any shows to Edinburgh. Really? Uh, my, my 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 usual uh, response is that I'm not funny enough. But I didn't start doing like kind of longer shows um, until a few years ago. Right. So I think a lot of people, when they first start out, will see Edinburgh as uh, the be all and end all. So they have to get to Edinburgh. E- yeah. Even after like three or four weeks of being a comedian, they just go, <laughs> right, I'm going to go up to Edinburgh this time. I'm going to make my kind of uh, make my money and make my fame and fortune that way. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite happen. Like work like that. Who who would want to come and see a comedian who's been going for five minutes, no, doing and like half an hour, an hour's worth of in the kind of if, incompetencies? If, well, well, yeah. Like if you think back to like your first couple of shows, if you've been going like three weeks, yeah, yeah. And somebody said, "Can you do an hour?" You're like, "I can stand on stage for an hour and talk out <laughs> loud," but it may not be kind of cutting edge comedy. It, it it may not be things that are kind of filled. To the brim with uh, with either a message or odd kind of laughs the entire way through. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I haven't been up yet, but I have at the moment a couple of shows that I enjoy doing, and hopefully, kind of next year, I'll be going up. Maybe with one or two shows, depending kind of how it goes. But um, uh, yeah, our shows are a different beast as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. For sure. 
Especially as a one-liner comedian, because you have to have so much material. Oh, yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, you do. Your story, uh, you, you, our storytellers have got it easy. Got it easy. It's so easy. Oh, look at me. I'm telling a story again. You yawn. Oh, I can spread it out a bit with about audience interaction. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> with one-liners, it's got to be like kind of... Um, yeah. Yeah. So... I've just taken longer pauses now. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how long the pauses are. Like, if yeah, you've got yeah. 20 minutes worth of material, that's like three minutes worth of pause between each joke. I think, uh, well, I, I mean, either, if I'm, not very, if I'm not very good at building material, then I just become someone like James Acaster who can tell a story so slowly that he only needs a couple of jokes and it will take him an entire hour to get through it. But I, I, like, I, think, I think with him, there's a lot of interest because he's so quirky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he... Um, the whimsical, the whimsical yeah, yeah. sort of awkward. Yeah, um, you, you are on board with like kind of kind of character and personality, and, yeah. and and sometimes if you are that on board with people, like a character act, you don't need as much material because yeah, you are yeah. just enjoying the person on stage, and and if you can get to that point, then you're kind of doing something. Such... That is material, though, isn't it? In some ways, yes. Yeah. There is self awareness. I mean, he's not he's not been killing it. All the way through his career, so it's it's that's that's come with hard work and, oh, and self awareness sure. yeah, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And I I, I really I, I really high, I highly rate James A. Castor as a storytelling comedian and, and and a whimsical sort of character. But I'm pretty sure with him again that that is sort of learnt behaviour. Yeah. That, that he like I don't know his 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 story completely, but um, I'm guessing he didn't start out as this kind of boisterous, shouty comedian. You know, he kind of went on as this kind of awkward act and kind of learnt what the audience responds yeah. to in different yeah. ways and kind of went right with this sort this uh this quality of my personality mm. I'm not gonna put on stage, but this quirky one I might kind of put on and just kind of build up how you are as a comedian. Yeah. Then if people really enjoy that, then that's kinda of half the battle really. That's why it's one of my favourite things about going to sort of um, you know, um, open mics and, and, and uh, comedy clubs and things because you see you see the early stages of, of comedians being built and, and, and working because it's because it but, People often get a little bit carried away by watching, you know, finished, polished, honed yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, comedians on stage and think that's what comedy is. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot. It's a lot harder than that. A lot more difficult than than something that's been, you know, you've done the same show a thousand times. Mm-hmm. That's slightly different to to you know um, trying to trying to trying to get a room on board when they don't really <laughs> want to see comedy. Yeah, I think if you watch kind of DVDs from comedians, then then that audience is usually there to see them. They know what they're getting. They know the style they're going to get. They yeah. they know uh, the topics they're going to get, the content they're going to get, as well as like the personality they're going to get as well. Um, but at an open mic night or, or at any kind of comedy night, really throughout the UK, if it's if it's like a club night. Um, then you are there because you want an evening of laughter. Yeah. And it's a bit harder for comedians because you have to go on and establish those things that you're going to do in terms of like the techniques you're going to use, uh, the tone you're going to do it in, what style you are, hopefully within the first eight to ten seconds. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's... Sometimes easier, sometimes harder, because people want a different thing, and people have an idea of what stand-up comedy is in their head. Yeah. Um, and, and they may think it's either kind of A. Carter or Jimmy Carr uh, or Catherine Ryan, kind of somebody like that. Those those are comedians that they have in their head. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas we are not all like those comedians. You know, we're not all um, kind of 
out there and fun we're not all dark we're not all political so you have to really establish who you are very early yeah and then kind of hope that people get on board <laughs> and then it, like it's, it's it's also the case that um there's good rule of thumb which is in smaller rooms you need personality whereas in bigger rooms you need material yeah now, now it's kind of um, a mixture of both mm-hmm. as well but i think if you can dominate a room with personality and likability and charisma like those small ones then that's going to paper over a lot of cracks and yeah. it's it's the same the other way if you're in a big room and you've got great material but your personality and charisma is not all that then that material can paper over things that you haven't quite got but i think if you are going to be a really great comedian you need a mixture of both yeah 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 how how long would you say you've been professional then uh four years maybe four years professional and i i think i think there's a really good message there like you know you've you're eight years in now are you yeah, about that. Eight yeah. years in, so they say it's a ten-year apprenticeship. Apparently. <laughs> well, it's kind of ten thousand hours, and if you work it out, like that's an incredible amount to do ten thousand hours. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a lot harder for us to do ten thousand hours, okay, is, especially yeah. if we're doing kind of five minutes a night. Like yeah. it doesn't quite work out in terms of timings. No. Um, but I think the longer you do on on stage then the more you'll learn about yourself, the more you'll kind of learn about kind of your own techniques of doing it as yeah, well. And, yeah. and you have to remember that you're not only learning to perform on stage, you're learning to write as well. So if you can take 10,000 hours learning to write and construct and, and, mm. and f- find different ways of putting things together with within yourself and kind of what you're talking about, then that is also 10,000 hours. But unfortunately, you can't combine the two. It, 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 it's sort of on an individual kind of writing and performing basis. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like I say, like, it's a good... Because I see a lot of new comics. I've interviewed a few of them that, that are rushing to get up to Edinburgh. I want to take the first show. I want to yeah, go on a compilation. Yeah, yeah. And, but I think there's a quite a good message there. Not to be in a rush. And you don't need to go to Edinburgh to, to establish a name. Is is a bit of a myth that, you know, you go to Edinburgh, then you get a panel show. Yes, it, yeah. It <laughs> uh, so I think each, each comedian um, is either... It doesn't quite work for everybody, but I think each comedian is is either um, a longer kind of show Edinburgh act, or they are a club act. Right. Where they go on and do a brilliant twenty minutes, and all they're doing is constructing this twenty minutes, or. They are a show comedian. They want to try experimental things out, and they want to kind of play with an audience and being big props, and they want to have a message throughout what they're doing, and. Uh, they want to construct this large-scale event that's happening over kind of 40 minutes to an hour. And if if you are one of these people that want to construct one of these large events, there's nothing wrong in going up a bit early because Edinburgh will give you that time to do that. But just yeah. know you may get five audience members, you may get 15 audience members, you may get no audience members. And you may die in your ass for a whole month. <laughs> yeah, but you, know, you kind of learn something then as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not to spend your money uh, in unwise ways. Um, <laughs> but if you are are on stage for that amount of time, so say so, say you're taking up um, maybe a split bill show, you're doing twenty, somebody else is doing twenty. It's maybe like a ten minute kind of warm up act that you found, um, and you kind of rotate those people around. Then you'll be on stage for a lot longer. Like if you have your own show and you do a couple of spots throughout the yeah. day, you you may be on stage for. Um, four 40 minutes to an hour that day whereas in 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 london or or kind of the outskirts you may only have um available to you kind of five to ten minutes 
TV yeah, each night. So you true. are getting a lot more time on stage, but you are kind of paying the price for it if you are kind of... Um, when, the, when the longer format. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So, so you haven't taken an Edinburgh show up yet. You want, you're hoping to take one up next year. Yeah, if I can um, do but you are doing the Cambridge Fringe I am, festival. indeed, yeah. Um, I'm also doing kind of other fringes around the country as well. So I'm going to Hastings, I'm going to Cambridge, I'm going to Oxford, uh, I'm going to Shaftesbury, um, just to name the ones kind of before uh, before August. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite enjoying my show at the moment. My show is called Unexpected Item in the Gagging Area, which I, I think is very funny. Nobody else finds as funny as me, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> so my show, Unexpected Item in the Gagging Area, is, is all about unexpected things that I have found in Facebook Marketplace, essentially. So it's, it's, okay. filled, it's filled with one-liners, but also there are some fun things that I found that you have to see really to be believed. Now I understand why I've seen him online on Facebook for the <laughs> excessive amount of times on Facebook, just yep. trolling the marketplace. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, but also for me, uh, I write best between the hours of kind of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. because there aren't as many distractions, because there aren't as many things going on. Um, there aren't as many things being posted. There aren't as many kind of notifications coming through. So if you can just have that time to yourself, and there's nobody else here and so i can kind of do what i want to um uh you can <laughs> living kind of the dream man <laughs> that, was, that was a sad thing to say yeah <laughs> chris you are living the dream i just want to live alone and just kind of write comedy in into the wee hours um <laughs> but if you can find that time to kind of do those things on your own and kind of be in your own head but i do often say that you should uh write with the door closed but edit with the door open I see. So um, kind of take it to people and show other people, show other comedians, show friends, especially with one-liners, for them to go, cool, that's good, but change this bit. Yeah, that's great, you know, kind of that sort of thing. Um, And I think maybe the sort of thing happens with stories as well, that you're kind of telling stories again and again and again to kind of workmates and kind of people that you know and just kind of we find find ways to just kind of whittle it down to yeah so i i've been for me personally i mean i'll i'll be writing little notes on my notes anyway yeah, wherever yeah. i'm going anything that happens any observations anything that i see or, or just think of or it could be in the middle of the night mm-hmm. i have to get up and i have to write something just to just to do that and yeah, say yeah. If, you, if you stop doing that then you then your body your, your brain will automatically prevent you from doing it again in the future because it's like this almost like muscular memory that you need oh, oh like certainly i think writing is a sort of muscle memory yeah um and and if you've been training at a good level it will take a shorter time hopefully to get back to that level. yeah but you do need to be training for quite a while to yeah. kind of get yourself into yeah. that zone and, and, and i think with comedians i don't know about you um but we are always looking for either people saying the wrong thing or people saying the right thing in the wrong way yeah you just yeah, say, oh that, that's weird let's explore that a bit more So um, often I always ask these questions. I okay. always ask um, comedians about like advice and what advice they'd give. And, and give up, give up now. Yeah, exactly. There More gigs for Chris. That's what I say. Right, and that concludes the podcast. <laughs> That's it. This is also the last podcast. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> episode, because it just ends with give up now. So. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were stopping it because you you, you know, came to the realization that you've only started this podcast. Yeah, I mean, just have, you got, have you got the crown's number? I need to call him up, tell him I can't make the gig tonight. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's, a, it's someone just starting out on the, the scene and they've, yeah. they've, they've been writing a bit. They've obviously been playing about material in their heads sure. for a little bit. Yeah. What advice would you give them? And I want, I want to go down the sort of construction, the engineering um, route with you because you're so good mm-hmm. at it. Um, was what advice would you give them in terms of like of that? So I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of comedians, if you ask them for advice, will say just go and gig. That's either because they don't have the articulation and the self awareness to go do this and do this and do this and do this, or they don't want to give very new comedians level four advice when they're actually at level one. So right. I think just as a blanket term, just go out and gig, and I think. From the so, <clears throat> go and find some gigs. Like if you are really kind of starting out in your first couple of gigs, go and find some gigs. Go and watch some gigs. Go and try and analyse what the other comedians do on stage. And there's nothing really wrong with either going along to a gig and kind of studying those sort of one-liner people, those kind of storytellers, seeing how people within different shows within different gigs will do different things so there'll be some that will be quite shy there'll be some that are quite outgoing and what sort of comedian do you want to be because yeah. I, th- I think the nice thing about comedy is you can kind of um reconstruct yourself if you are quiet if you are a bit shy if you are a bit awkward or a bit nerdy you can say i don't want to be that I quite like to be this. The only issue with that is it's about what the audience will buy from you versus what you want to sell them. Now, if you can find a way to mesh that together, then absolutely brilliant. But it it may be that uh, you want to accentuate different things from you or you want to... um, accentuate things that you, that you are kind of be yourself on stage yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. Seinfeld says that the closer to you you can be on stage then the better the problem is that some people don't want to be that person yeah that's true uh, yeah um, uh, <laughs> so he pointed, <laughs> he pointed to himself then <laughs> Uh, but I, but I, but I am a different person. Like there are things that I want to talk about on stage. There are things I don't want to talk about on stage. And I think I found a happy medium between yeah, yeah. between kind of doing those things. But it, if you are starting out, go along to gigs, watch as much comedy as you can do. Um, and there's nothing wrong in going home afterwards. And, and I would kind of say this to people: go h- home afterwards and either talk to people about exactly what those comedians did or write down what went well about that comedian's performance what didn't go well about that comedian's yeah. performance and it doesn't matter if it's a small open mic night with 10 people on or it's three or four people in a club there's always going to be things that you can see about those comedians that went well so it could be that they didn't interact enough yeah um, it, it could be that they interacted with the wrong people but in in the end it didn't really matter yeah but, but you can still write that down as as kind of feedback f- for yourself and things to remember you know if you are going to interact with somebody make sure you know where it's going to go you know yeah if yeah. um there's material that didn't quite hit uh for one of the comedians that you're watching you work out why it didn't quite hit did it not hit because uh some of the tech failed did it not hit because the comedian didn't articulate kind of the words they needed to articulate or did it not work because it was maybe an older crowd and it was too dirty or because there were references to things um uh, from like the early nineties, and it was a studenty crowd. Kind of those those things that didn't connect. And if you can have this sort of self awareness, this sort of reading of an audience, um, to some extent, then I think that's really going to push you forward a bit because you can yeah. go, sure, I only have this material that I'm doing, this five minutes that I've constructed, but 
you can frame it in different ways. So mm. the, there are ways into material and there are ways out of material that you can frame for different audiences. You, you know, if it's like a rowdy audience, you can swear a bit more going into it. If we, if it's um, uh, a WI convention, you're probably not going to swear going into material. <laughs> but um, you, know, you can kind of um, frame it and connect it in different ways. So hopefully you'll be able to sell the same sort of stuff um, for that audience that's in front of you. So earlier in the the conversation, we were sp- you, you were speaking about the memory palace technique, mm-hmm. and you asked me to remember certain items in a bedroom. Yes, I was. Yeah. And so, do you think you can re- remember those back now? So where they were, they they're about breakfast breakfast items, and yep. and so in the. Do you remember them, actually? I do, yeah. Do so, so if you re-establish what uh, the image was yeah. in your bedroom, um, I'll ask you some questions if you want. So um, so uh, the first item was on your bed. Can you tell me what the first item on your bed, please? Baked beans. There's baked beans on your bed, yeah? Yeah, baked beans on uh, bed. What was in the pillowcase? Um, bacon. Oh, no, it was eggs in the pillowcase. Eggs in the pillowcase. Uh, can you tell me where the sausages were? The sausages were in a very specific place. The sock drawer. Sausages in the sock drawer. Well done. Uh, what was in the cupboard? Um, what was in the cupboard? Bacon. No, no, uh, mushrooms, sorry. M- mushrooms. Mushrooms going in the cupboard. Cool. Uh, where were the hash browns? In my shoes. In your shoes. Uh, and so by a process of elimination, what was on the washing pile? You have already said it. Bacon. It was bacon in the washing pile. Yeah. Uh, so, so you've only remembered that over maybe kind of thirty minutes, kind of something like that. If you just rec- uh, just keep repeating that, not necessarily for breakfast, but for other things you need to remember, then all of those things should be in your mind for the next time you go to the supermarket. And, yeah. And and if you have like recurring things that you have to remember, maybe uh, like passwords or um, numbers for cards or phone numbers then if you just keep repeating those things, then hopefully they'll be in your brain forever. So I went on uh, to BBC Radio Leicester recently um, and talked about the Memory Palace technique on there. And not only were there a presenter on, but there was somebody else, like a guest on, who uh, was coming in to talk about things in the local area. So we had a discussion about the Memory Palace technique there. And what we did was we took the presenter's family and members of his family and what their birthdays were and I asked this guest to kind of go through the same technique that we went through with you but instead we put all of the presenters in a very small bathroom okay (laughs) Uh, and we found ways for them to be doing activities in their bathroom um and kind of um who they were depending on kind of where they were put in the bathroom and something that they were wearing or something that they were doing would remind uh, the guest of when in the month uh, these people were born. And by the end of the, the two-hour show, we went back over it and they got absolutely everyone right. So there were five different family members that were in there and they got right exactly um, when their birthdays were. Wow, which is which is mad, and I think what I can do now is maybe even message that person. They should remember it still now. So it's one of those things where once you have a um, an idea of what these things are, if you keep re-establishing and keep re-establishing, then hopefully they should be in there. What does the next year have in store for you? What are you uh, hoping to get out two thousand nineteen and beyond? That uh, so um, what I want to do 
this year is to gig around with my new show, Unexpected Item in the Gagging Area. Please go to... Um, <laughs> he hasn't got his website. <laughs> he hasn't got his website in front Please of Please find me on all social medias, and uh, there will certainly be kind of dates coming up for for that. Uh, but also, um, yes, yeah, so gigging around with that, there'll there'll be a new show in St Albans in January that I'm kind the of thinking about. Is yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, um, which which is always good fun to come and do. Um, Are you going to tour it? Like yeah, tour, tour as a show, show. Yeah, so what I normally do with with these shows is do a couple of, of performances uh, late in the year. Yeah, um, kind of it, in places that don't quite matter. Um, and then go. You're <laughs> not going to mention. <laughs> um, and then go to St Albans and do the new show there. Yeah. Um, and because that's um, either late January or early February, I'll then take that show to the last comedy festival and start the process off again. Yeah. Um, so I'll be doing that I think um, uh, yeah just gigging around trying to find new new weird and wonderful villages and towns to go to um, and, and, and funny places to go so the other day I drove uh, between Bishop Stortford and Suffering Warden I found uh, a small village called Ugly so oh, nice. <laughs> um, so there are kind of weird and wonderful things to find around the UK. Yeah, certainly if there are anybody who does any kind of radio or TV work, then I'll be more than happy to do those things. But yeah, yeah. he's kind of gigging around and having fun and kind of enjoying comedy. You know, he's available for most work. Uh, no, no, for all work, not even most work, for all work. Yeah, <laughs> as long as I don't have to get up in the morning, that is fine with me. Yeah. If you don't, if you need, if you need your chimney sweeping or anything like that, is I'm not sure I can fit in a chimney, but if you want it sweeping, <laughs> I can find us a, <laughs> a small child to go up there for you. Thank you so much for joining me, Chris. No, thank you. Let's shake hands. Yeah. That, well, that's well, never going to For the benefit of the listener, we were shaking hands. Um, Good. Thank you. Good. Great. That's nice. I enjoyed this. Well done, everybody. Yeah, well done. Yeah. As if, yeah. Well done, producer. Well done, editors. Well done, writers. <laughs> and this joining well the audience who have joined us here live. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, uh, uh, Capital FM. Well, that was Chris Norton Walker. What a hilarious guy and an amazing comedian. It was really interesting to get into the, the, the you know the depths of how he constructs his jokes and engineers his one-liners. We also touched on techniques of how he remembers his material for a longer sets. In particular, we spoke about the memory palace technique. And at the start, he went through a series of items for me to remember in, in my bedroom in strange places. And at the end, he challenged me to remember where they all were. I got one of them wrong, which I thought was quite impressive considering the amount of time and everything spoke about in between those two parts if you are interested in that technique then i've put a link in the show notes for you to check that out maybe you could use it for remembering your material or just remembering a shopping list you can also follow chris on social media everywhere he's got a website and everything all of that information is also in the show notes and a few links to where you can buy tickets to his gigs if you do enjoy this podcast and, and enjoy the conversations I have with comedians, then please do subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to it. It really helps spread the word and get other people to listen to it too. You can also donate to the podcast, which helps with the running cost. You can run over to my website, lukeantonycomedy.co.uk forward slash TCA podcast. Hit that donate button. Every little does help. It really does. I've got an amazing conversation coming up with Adele Cliff, who's a fantastic comedian, and she's currently previewing her show Undershare all over the UK, and she's going to be taking that to the Edinburgh Fringe. That's going to be released next week. That conversation, an amazing comedian as well. 
We've got so many more fantastic episodes coming up as well. So that's going to be amazing. Stay in touch. Stay tuned. You can follow me on Twitter. That is at Luke A. Comedian. Or that's the same on Facebook. And you can even join the mailing list on my website. See you soon. Hello, I'm Luke Anthony. Do you love hearing about the stars, careers, lives and mental health? Well, Meet the Stars is a brand new podcast all about that. Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.